0: Kubrick was not your traditional filmmaker or director who would generally hire a composer to do a full score for a movie. Kubrick was very hands-on with everything about his films, absolutely everything. He favored top-down control in a certain way, but in another way, he was also very open to, let's say, ideas from the cast, ideas that composers had, So he was open, but he also had a real vision for each of his films, how he wanted them to look, how he wanted them to sound, absolutely everything. He had this complete vision in his head. Here's a quote from Stanley. A film is or should be more like music than like fiction. It should be a progression of moods and feelings. The theme, what's behind the emotion, the meaning, all of that comes later. And so Kubrick was very much in tune with music, but he was especially a huge fan of classical music. And you can tell through all of his films, his love for classical music in films like Barry Lyndon, 2001 A Space Odyssey, in every film that he did, in A Clockwork Orange, in all of these films, even in in Eyes Wide Shut, you hear his, absolute love for classical music. Though the interesting thing is, and what a lot of film score composers would bemoan Stanley for, was that, that Stanley would take recordings that had already been made of classical music, he would put in what you would call a temp track when he was cutting the film, and then he would end up just, in a lot of cases, using the temp track in the final version. So a real film score composer would be like, this is a travesty you should re-record Beethoven with a new symphony and do a new recording. Kubrick was very fond of taking pre-existing recordings that he liked. And then he would listen to them again and again and again and again to the point of obsession, part of the reason why many composers found it very difficult to work with Stanley Kubrick. But Kubrick was also quite interested as well in not just classical music, but new music that was coming out at the time, and whether or not it could fit in with his groundbreaking visions. So he would listen to experimental music, he would listen to recordings of what's called musique concrète, experimental tape music that originated in France in the 1940s. And so he was very open to all of these new sounds and how they could be in service of film became very clear, for example, in 2001, A Space Odyssey, when he actually used Ligeti's music without clearing the permission for it. And this was kind of a legendary duel, which ended up being settled out of court. And I believe Ligeti got $3,500 for his music that was used in 2001, A Space Odyssey. But that helped heal the rift. Kubrick ended up using Ligeti's music again in other films. So I'm going to start out by talking a little bit about 2001. 2001 is most associated with very big, bombastic music, most famously also Sprak's But what I want to talk about is Hal's sort of swan song, which is a piece called the, A Bicycle Built for Two. In the late 1960s, Stanley Kubrick sent one of his people to Bell Labs in New Jersey to figure out what a telephone booth in space should look like. And Bell Labs at the time was this real center for groundbreaking research, scientific research, not just in telephony, but they were winning Nobel prizes for all kinds of things. And Max Matthews, who lived in Bernal Heights, he died in 2011. Uh, He was a professor at Stanford, but Max Matthews, was behind Hal's music. Max Matthews conceived the computer music realization of a bicycle built for two in the early 1960s. William O. Baker, who was the vice president of research at Bell Labs, sent Kubrick's guy to talk to John Pierce, who was a famous Bell Labs guy. Pierce gave his opinions on what he thought of telephone booth and space should look like. And he said, hey, you should come check out some of Max Matthews' computer music I think this is like the cutting edge, you know? This is like, this is the first piece that had a singing voice synthesized. Bicycle Built for Two, Daisy Bell. The guy was impressed with that and Kubrick was also impressed with that. But Kubrick, and this is something Kubrick would often do, he didn't use the actual recording from Bell Labs. He had his own people redo it for the movie. Let me play you a clip of Bicycle Built for Two, Daisy Bell. So that's a groundbreaking piece of computer music and it's very interesting how it was made. It's probably the first digital physical modeling synthesis sound in the 20th century. Max told me before he died, I, I was the last person to interview Max three weeks before he, he passed away at the age of 84 a few years ago. He said that the singing part, which was the interesting thing, was done by two researchers at Bell Labs. He said this was really the first example of physical modeling. The physical model they had was in the computer, a vocal track, a so-called tube model, and seven sections. So they would kind of wiggle this physical model on the computer around to produce the right vowels and consonants. And he said the only thing they lacked was they didn't know the right shape to get the sections to get the vowels. He said, but they found somebody in Sweden who had done x-ray studies of Russian subjects uttering sustained vowels, took a cross-sectional x-ray to deduce the vocal tract areas from that. So they took his data. So that song is based on Russian data done with Russian vowels, and it was a tube physical model of the vocal tract. So that found its way in some form into 2001 Space Odyssey as Hal's dying voice, which is quite interesting that that was actually groundbreaking research from Bell Labs. Here is a demonstration from 1963 of computer speech from Bell Labs. So you, you get the idea. Before I start talking about Clockwork Orange, just to add to 2001, Kubrick had actually commissioned Alex North, who was a very famous film composer, to do the full score. Then true to Kubrick, he ended up not using almost all of Alex North's score that he had very laboriously put together with a full orchestra, and he had done this beautiful film score. If you look on YouTube, you can find somebody has taken the opening scene, the opening credits of 2001, and they put the original Alex North score on it. So you can watch that and see what it was supposed to sound like. The thing is Kubrick got so, was so in love with the sound of these classical music recordings, when he was using these temp tracks, like I was saying, and he would, he would play it with these temp tracks, He got married to the sound, what it sounded like with these temp tracks. Then Alex North didn't realize what had happened until he actually saw the full movie and realized that his music had not been used. And when he saw that there were instead pieces like (laughs) Alzusbrach Zarathustra, he was livid. He was incredibly upset and he never quite forgave Stanley Kubrick for doing that. But, you know, Stanley Kubrick would do whatever he wanted to do in, like I said, in, in the service of his vision. And if he felt that was the piece of music that had to be used, that is what he would use. Now, how many of you know who Wendy Carlos is? Wendy Carlos did music for Stanley Kubrick for A Clockwork Orange and The Shining. And Wendy Carlos and producer Rachel Elkind made incredible music um, with the synthesizer, uh, synthesized versions for the most part, of classical music, and it fits so perfectly with A Clockwork Orange. Though again, they produced tons of music, tons of synthesizer music for a Clockwork Orange, and Kubrick ended up using only a small fraction of the music that they created for the movie. Same thing with The Shining, even more so. Kubrick became completely obsessed with this particular recording of Berlioz classical recording, that he would play again and again and again and again when he was making The Shining. And then he decided that it had to be exactly that recording, exactly that piece. And then, you know, Wendy Carlos and Rachel Elkin tried their best to please Kubrick to create synthesizer music that would sound exactly what they were hoping Stanley wanted. Wendy Carlos said at the time about The Shining in an interview with Robert Moog, the synthesizer inventor, she said that she and and Rachel had done about an hour of music. They were asked to send it to Stanley Kubrick and were just hopeful that something would come out of it. They didn't know anything really about the pacing of the film. And then over the course of the next few months, they composed about four and a half hours of music for Stanley Kubrick, mostly synthesizer music. And they were trying to do it according to the cues they went reel by reel through the entire film with Stanley Kubrick, so they had a pretty exact concept, so they thought, of what they thought Stanley Kubrick wanted. But some of their music, some of their amazing synthesizer music made it into The Shining, uh, but a lot of the music that is in The Shining is more classical music recordings. What Wendy Carlos said in that interview, she said, what apparently happened, she said, uh, I mentioned the Berlioz Symphony Fantastique And what apparently happened after that was that Kubrick listened to the Berlioz over and over again while we were working on our music. He became fixated. He could only hear the way that Berlioz did it with no variation. And we didn't realize until much later how thoroughly he had been locked into this particular recording. They ended up doing something for orchestra, scoring for 36 musicians, composing another 50 minutes of music in London. And Kubrick, again, used almost none of that music that they had laboriously put together. As you can see, Kubrick could be a very, perhaps, maddening genius to work with. Like I said, he had uh, a very far-reaching vision. He uh, was very open to new electronic sounds. And at the same way, he had a very interesting way, like Wendy Carlos did with her brilliant album Switched on Bach from 1968, a very interesting way of interleaving classical music and electronic music into a sort of seamless vision. A movie like A Clockwork Orange or The Shining still feels thoroughly modern. It feels, in a way, like it reaches back into the past like it reaches back into your own memories because often Kubrick would use extremely well-known pieces of classical music in these films and they're music that we all have very stark or strong memories of. And the way he paired this very intense in often very well-known classical music with groundbreaking electronic music, really out there stuff, to this day has never been matched. And to this day, I believe that no other filmmaker or director has had such a far-reaching vision for the power of sound and also the power of silence. Thank you very much.